Well, good morning. It's good to see y'all. It's good to be inside and warm. Uh, we want to give thanks and a big cheer out to whoever set the thermostat correctly last night or yesterday or early this morning so we would uh, find it nice and warm. I served a church uh, a, a few years back where we, we came in on Sunday morning after a cold freeze like that and uh, a pipe had burst and the altar uh, was in about three inches of water. Uh, so that wasn't fun. So uh, I hope that you've stayed warm. It's always a, a nice to get a cold snap like this so you can get those uh, uh, nice big jackets that you only wear once or twice a year. And I've seen people in big fluffy snowshoe kind of things. So uh, you get to wear some of that stuff that you got and you go, well, it never gets that cold. Well, now it is. So I'm glad that you're here. We're, uh, we talked last week uh, about uh, that the, the first uh, part of the year, January, a lot of the Christian literature devotions and uh, liturgy aids, church worship aids and things, spent a lot of time talking about call, uh, call stories in the Old and New Testament. Um, because at the beginning of the year is a time when we we're kind of asking a question, you know, who am I? Who do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? What's important to me? How do I get unstuck? Uh, what brings me joy? And so uh, kind of looking at some of those uh, stories and trying to figure out what this year is going to be, what it's going to look like, and how do we get from where we are to uh, where we want to be? And so kind of looking through uh, Jesus's uh, call of some of the disciples and some of the other folks in the Old and New Testament uh, kind of helps us at least sort of spend some time thinking about that. So uh, last week we looked at the Gospel of John and uh, Jesus calling some of the disciples there. This week we're going to turn to Mark. Uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 1 verses uh, 14 through 20. And it says there, after John was put in prison, not the disciple John, but John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. May God add his blessing to our reading and hearing and understanding of his word. So I want us to focus on a couple of verses. Uh, the ones where uh, Jesus calls the disciples and it says at once they followed him. And then in the second section, they just walked off the boat, leaving their dad uh, and all the people on the boat and followed Jesus. Um, in uh, the message, another version of the Bible, it says they didn't ask questions. They just dropped their nets and followed Jesus. 
In the King James Version, it says, straight away they forsook their nets and followed him. In the, uh, another version, it says, right away they left their nets. In what we just read, it says, at once. In the RSV, it says, immediately. And so, I want you just to kind of ponder that for a second. Put yourself in that situation. Jesus comes on the scene and he, he makes a, a request. So how many of you would not ask questions, leave immediately, just whatever you were doing, uh, leave right away, leave at once? I'm, I'm guessing not a lot of us. You'd, you'd want to ponder that for a second, right? Um, so to me, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, okay, then something else is going on. Or was Jesus just that so overpowering that his presence, his voice, his appearance, his countenance, his stature, all of that, uh, you just couldn't say no. He said, do this, so you did it. I, I don't quite think he was that intimidating. I think he was uh, different, and I think to some extent he was intimidating, but not to that point. So I got to thinking, I think what it suggests is not something so much about Jesus as it was so much about those who were being asked to follow. By that I mean that I think there was a certain restlessness percolating in the, the, the hearts uh, and, and, uh, and minds of the folks that Jesus is asking. And so I want us to kind of think about as we think about our own kind of what's this year going to be like and where are we going, what do we do, how do we need to get there, I, I want to ask us to kind of percolate on that a little bit this morning. And so I wondered, because I, I thought of that word, percolating's not in the Bible, um, and so I, I just brought it with me this morning. And I thought, you know, most of us, when we think about coffee, think about these little things. And so uh, maybe you don't know that they used to make coffee uh, in another way. And so I... Uh, I've, I've found these uh, percolators, and so I thought for just fun, uh, I would plug them in, and I hope they work. That one's making noise, and this one is too. So, um, what'll happen, uh, most of you I'm sure are aware, but what'll happen is in a minute, Oh, it's already started. Uh, the coffee comes, the, the water's down here and the coffee's up there and it shoots the uh, water up here and then it drips back down uh, through the filter uh, and uh, makes coffee. So the cool thing about that is that uh, as it's popping, so you can see that one too, um, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll not only see it percolating, which kind of stirs our mind maybe a little bit, but you'll also smell it. Um, and, um, and, and that's kind of what I think uh, I mean by uh, percolating. Uh, it has to do 
with not coffee making for our purposes, but the thoughtful process of what's going on in our lives. Um, not thoughtful like, I decided to bring you flowers today because uh, I'm so kind and thoughtful, uh, but thoughtful in the uh, uh, process of just sort of processing stuff. Um, and I think that's what's going on in this passage. Jesus was speaking to people who had already begun to think of some of the questions that we were asking earlier. Well, what's happening? Where do I need to be? What do I need to be doing? I'm feeling a little restless. I'm feeling like there's something else, but I don't know how to get from where I am uh, to where I might be. <laughs> uh, and um, I'm open to things, but I don't really know which direction to go in. Sometimes we have choices. Uh, sometimes we have things stirring in our lives. And well, do we go that way or do we go that way? And how do I know? And how can I be certain? And so there's this process of thought, right, where we kind of percolate a little bit. Uh, we listen. And so I, I, I got to uh, thinking, uh, John Wesley's in seminary. How many folks are in seminary with him? A, a few dozen, a hundred maybe? Uh, but somehow... What's going on with Wesley and the Anglican Church and the world in the 1700s percolates to the point where Wesley just goes in a, a kind of a crazy direction for the people of his day and time. Uh, he's kind of a rebel. He's, he's different. He sees the church differently uh, than what it is, and he makes a lot of waves. He makes a lot of enemies, uh, but it's what God is calling him to do. The same with uh, Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham grows up in a small town in North Carolina. How many other people did, uh, heard the same things, had the same teachers, went to the same churches, uh, heard the same sermons, but somehow Billy Graham hears that and uh, there's a convergence of God's word, uh, his experiences of life, uh, the way God created him inside to think and feel and experience the world. And there was a certain compulsion that I've got to go do this. So I, I think that all kind of comes together, not only the invitation of Jesus to come and follow me, but it comes at the intersection of our own struggling with who am I? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And it's, it's fascinating to, to look at that process. Uh, how many girls lived in Yugoslavia like Mother Teresa in the early 1900s? Thousands, tens of thousands, uh, had the same experience, same countryside, same kind of things, uh, uh, cultural influences. But somehow Mother Teresa hears God's voice, sees people, has compassion that uh, other folks didn't or didn't act on or didn't have the courage to step out. There was something of this intersection uh, as as God's word and God's voice and uh, Mother Teresa's own experiences of life all percolated together, mingled together, uh, and bubbled up into something that was extraordinary. What, what made you make some of the decisions that you've made? What, what was percolating in your life? 
What would, where, where were you growing up? Who were the influences? Who was speaking into your heart and in your mind? Uh, what were you listening to? Uh, what experiences did you have? All of those, I think, God uses. They come together. They, they mix and blend. And uh, it's a little bit of, of faith. And it's a little bit of parents. And a little bit of teachers. It's a little bit of friends. It's a little bit of uh, something you watch on TV. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's your mind sort of working in the way that God hoped it would uh, to come up with decisions and ideas and thoughts. And so a lot of times those thoughts and ideas are, are kind of in our head. We don't really know what to do with. Uh, and so getting back to uh, the disciples on the boats and on the shore, uh, they're, they're processing things. We don't know what those things were, what their experiences were, but they were at a point in their life where they were ready for something. And so when Jesus says, come and follow me, that was it. They dropped everything. They went immediately because they were ready for that. Not because they'd never thought of it. They were just kind of standing around. Oh, don't have anything else to do. Okay. Now it happened because all of that was happening at the same time. And um, we, we use phrases today to talk about events that take place. Uh, the stars were all aligned in the right way. The force was strong with this one. Uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. Or it was just dumb luck. I just wandered into that. Or it was just good luck. Or it was just bad luck because sometimes we percolate into things that we shouldn't. <laughs> uh, we go in the wrong direction knowing probably that it is the wrong direction. Somebody said, good luck is just when opportunity meets preparation. Matthew 6, says in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. And I love that idea that we get things in the right place, in the right perspective, in the right order, then things happen. If we're so worried about things that we put God way down the list, thinking that once we get all this stuff worked out, then, then we'll have a place for God. We'll know where to put God. God says it's just the opposite. Put me first, and everything else will sort itself out. I think the story of Ruth it just screams out that story. Uh, Ruth didn't quite know what to do. Naomi uh, was there. The, the guys were dead. The other girls were going back to their homes. Uh, Ruth didn't know what to do, so she just did what she thought was the right thing to do. And then if uh, Disney made that into a story, uh, they lived happily ever after. Uh, we just, we don't always know what to do. Um, and this, I didn't quite plan it this way, but this is really interesting. So this percolator is going nuts. Um, and this one's just kind of like giving up. It what? It was percolating pretty hard, but now it's just tired. And so sometimes that... Um, uh, it's kind of like that. Sometimes, you know, we've got all kinds of ideas stumbling around and we're trying to figure out where to go. And so 
In that percolating process, one of the aspects of that is to listen, to pay attention. And so we've got the stuff going on in our heads. We've got thoughts. We have all these experiences in our lives. We're beginning to think, well, maybe this and maybe that, but I don't know. Uh, is this the right thing to do? Do I have enough information? Am I on the right track? I mean, so many things that I think I ought to do, I keep in my head, and I, and I talk myself out of. And so part of the process uh, is listening and listening well. Uh, this is kind of a shameless commercial, but um, we're starting uh, a, a Bible study on uh, Wednesday night. Some of the ministers are taking turns doing it, uh, but it's uh, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, uh, which is a, a great study in how to listen. Uh, there are 12 disciplines that the book talks about, and uh, six of them are personal ones, and then six of them are corporate Ones. The personal ones are meditation, fasting, prayer, study, simplicity, and solitude. And the six corporate ones are submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. And so when we walk through those disciplines, they give us some tools with which to listen and process and, and try to understand and hear God, uh, to check that out with people we trust and, and kind of see uh, where we're going. Another, another way that we might get at the same sort of thing is by taking care of something. Um, and something, I mean, like a child, a, a parent, a pet, uh, or plant. Um, because something happens when you care for something, well, when you're responsible for something, when you care for it, when you're uh, focused on the needs that, that it has and what you need to be doing, uh, it moves you kind of out of your head a little bit and the focus that we tend to do on our, our own self. Uh, irregardless of everything else happening around us uh, and uh, begin to focus on something else. It, it helps us to listen. It helps us to be more human. It helps us to be more empathetic. It helps us to live more fully. And, and when you begin to be more thoughtful and you listen better, there's an opportunity to hear. And again, it's the convergence of all that's going on in us uh, that gets at this point. And um, uh, it's, it's this opportunity to hear and to get something. Uh, I have a movie clip uh, from uh, Jerry Maguire that I, I want you to watch right now. It's a pretty famous line. Uh, in the movie. We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And we work in the business of tough competitors. You complete me. And I'm just yes. Just shut You had me at hello. You had me at hello. Yeah. 
Great scene, pretty iconic little spot. Um, but again, uh, he didn't have her at hello. He had her and they had each other uh, with a long history that happened way before that scene. And, and that's what, again, I think is happening in this passage. Jesus didn't say, come and follow me, having no context with these folks or they having no context with struggling with something greater than themselves. That was already ongoing. But it, it does take some sort of catalyst. It does take a scene like that for something maybe to come out. Um, when you're thoughtful, when you're listening, when you're paying attention, uh, there's, a, there's an opportunity there, but the opportunity takes courage also. Um, takes courage to voice your feelings. It, it takes courage to say you're sorry. It takes courage to step out. It takes courage to act on something that's a little different than where you've been or what you've been doing. It takes courage to uh, struggle with an idea of where I need to be and what I need to be doing, um, but I'm going to have to take a step in that direction. I might have to ask somebody to help me. I might have to tell somebody what's going on. I might have to do something else. Simon and Andrew didn't ask questions because this idea had already been percolating in their hearts for a while. Something was going on. Something was calling them. Something needed to be different in their lives. Something uh, was validating their restlessness. And when Jesus spoke those words, it was a confirmation and a culmination of the percolating events in their lives. I have a a friend who was stuck in a pretty bad place a, a while back. And, and they were just kind of spinning like on a treadmill. Uh, how do I get off? What do I do? What do I do next? And, and that can be a hard place to be. And you do get stuck there. Um, but they invested themselves, began to open up, began to talk to someone who who could help and who would let them talk and listen and kind of guide that conversation. And they, uh, they had been focused on all of those things around them that were causing their distress. But in the course of the conversations, they began to see things that they were doing and things they had done that had opened the door to the things that were done to them. They began to own their part of what was taking place in their lives and moved from being a victim of just everybody else's chaos to, okay, what can I do and how do I move on? They realized they couldn't fix their friends. They could only f attend to themselves. And when they did that, healing began. When they did that, the, this percolating process uh, gave them a way to understand that to where it gave them a path, and they had the courage to step out into that path. And I think that God is in the midst of both of those places in this process where we're in our head going, oh no, what do I do? Where do I go? What's the next step? but also in the process of bringing together, aligning things, 
uh, to help us to see ways forward. God works to get us ready, subtle hints, nudges, coincidences. And God works to point us in the right direction, a person, an event, an opportunity. And so when Jesus' invitation comes, follow me, we're in the right place at the right time, in the right space, and it just takes some courage to then step out and take him at his word. Let us pray. God, I thank you for the ways in which you call us, but I thank you especially for the ways in which you prepare us. People, events, our own minds, music, movies, uh, a child's voice, all the different ways, God, that you plant seeds in our hearts and then that process of how they percolate into something that is ready and set up right when a catalyst uh, comes around. So I pray, God, uh, this morning, some of us are in a great place. We're beginning this new year. It's just a continuation of last year, and things are going well. We've made some good decisions. Um, guide us. Help us to keep going in the right directions. Others of us, God, are, are struggling with uh, questions. There's an uneasiness. There's a restlessness. There's a, 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 a kind of a fuzzy future that we're trying to decipher and figure out. So I ask your help uh, to help us listen better, uh, to help us focus better, and then also to have the courage, God, when we see those things coming together and they're reaffirmed in a variety of ways, the courage to step out, the courage to step forward, the courage to step up in the ways in which you've called us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.